It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Especially on my part, you know, I think I have to do a much better job, you know, uh, especially in the first, first half. I felt like that kind of had an influence on my my game. You know, there were some bad mistakes I usually don't do. So, uh, yeah, I got to definitely take care of that. And um, we've been having a problem with that turnovers lately. Uh, <coughs> I think it's also the teams, you know, I think changing the scout on us, uh, changing a little bit the defenses. Uh, we got to be smart. Uh, this week, uh, you know, going up against the Bucks and the Warriors and you know, the Raptors. Uh, well, tough, tough schedule, obviously, but uh, that's what we said. Uh, like a week ago, we said we're gonna have only playoff teams going against us now, and uh, it's actually it could be good for us just uh, to just you know playing against playing playoff basketball already. I felt like these three. Uh, games will were, were really physically uh, good for us, you know, especially today. Also, Raptors. I think defensively we, we play pretty intense game, and I think it could be helpful for us in the future. That was Wizards point guard Tomas Sadaransky uh, talking about the Wizards' loss to the Raptors, 102-95. Tomas had 10 points, uh, eight assists, and six rebounds, which looks pretty good. But he also was responsible for six of the team's 18 turnovers which ultimately proved to be the difference in that matchup. I'm your host, Noah Getzel, and the Locked On Wizards podcast starts now. No matter what moves you made last year, 
TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yo, welcome to the Locked on Wizards podcast. We are here at Capital One Arena after the Wizards uh, dropped the game 102-95 to the Toronto Raptors. The bench exploded for the Raptors just as Brandon Nguyen and I kind of discussed last night in our preview podcast. So... We're going to be talking about that, and then uh, also the Wizards' turnovers, which remain an issue. Raptors barely turn it over whatsoever. And finally, we're going to be talking about Scott Brooks's Coach of the Month uh, honor- honors that he received uh, on Thursday, and what kind of adjustments he'll have to make uh, as he closes out the rest of the season, which much of which will be without John Wall, of course, 10-4. and four. The past month without John Wall, uh, they lost their first game in March, however. So we're going to jump right into all of that. Um, Locked on Wizards is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We have five podcasts a week with Wizards news analysis, different guests around the league, um, different Locked on podcasts being featured, and player quotes and interviews. Uh, we're going to feature Tomas Sadaransky and Scott Brooks here tonight. So the guest tonight was the same guy who was previewing the, the game last night. Uh, that's Brandon Nguyen. You can follow him on Twitter, under sorry, at 45 underscore N-G-U-Y-E-N. Brandon, what do you think? Wizards coughed up that 14-point lead in the first quarter. Uh, the bench was just totally dominant night and day. The Wizards bench did nothing. They had 15 points. Um what was like the biggest takeaway for you tonight for why the Wizards couldn't take advantage of their early lead? Well, first of all, I thought the Wizards came out with great energy. I mean, they had eight second chance points compared to Toronto's two in the first quarter. I mean, turnovers were bad. But in a game that is this close, you got to take care of the basketball. You can't give a team like Toronto more possessions, especially a team that's top five in the NBA when it comes to offensive rating. Mm-hmm. And the Wizards started the game up 18-4. Of course, we knew that wasn't really going to last because the Raptors are the best team in the East, second best team record-wise, I believe. They're, you know, like top three in the whole league. So, like, that that hot start looked great. But then, even in, like, the end of the first quarter, as some of the subs started coming in, uh, that 14-point lead became an 8-point lead going into the the second quarter and then it it kind of trimmed down and evaporated because the Raptors started that second quarter on a what was it twenty one to nine run or sorry from the end of the first through the second quarter and twenty to nine through the first half of the second quarter so and then like the bench when when the Raptors had just thirty seven points Toronto's bench had twenty two of those they ended with fifty of the team's one hundred two points um, C J Miles was getting open all over the place he hit six threes and scored twenty points. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the Raptors have the best bench in the league, so it's tough when the Wizards kind of have had depth, but it's been 
hit or miss different games. Like, Oubre didn't do much tonight. What did he finish with? Two of eight shooting, six points. Uh, Sadoransky used to be a spark off the bench. Now he's in the starting lineup. And then some guys who have really just disappeared a little bit. Um, Mahimni, who who had some of his minutes substituted for Jason Smith tonight. And then uh, Mike Scott. Did he even make a shot? Yeah. He, he hit one shot. But, like, there was a stretch where Scott was scoring 15, 20, 25 points a game. So that hot hand has cooled off for sure. But I think... When it comes down to it, the like, even in the first quarter, first two quarters, like eleven players scored for the Raptors. The Wizards just don't have that kind of depth. Of course, it doesn't matter quite as much when you get into the playoffs. But I think, I think the biggest difference is that the Wizards, you know, weren't careful with the ball and didn't stop everybody. They didn't really like respect everyone enough on the Raptors. They kind of zeroed in on DeRozan and Lowry had an awful game. Uh, well, not an awful game, but like. He was 4 of 10 and didn't do too much. But ultimately, turnovers, that's what's plaguing the team. So that's why you got to miss John Wall, even though he's sloppy with the ball occasionally. Like he's, It's it's rare that he'll have multiple games with too many turnovers. But then again, it's not like Sadoransky or Beal are going game after game with eight turnovers or anything like that. Sado had six tonight. You'll hear from Scott Brooks at the end of this podcast. Scott Brooks said he was just trying to force the issue a little bit too much. And not even force it for himself in terms of being selfish. He was just trying to set teammates up and force passes maybe off like backdoor cuts that weren't quite there. Second quarter was a real weak spot. Uh, Raptors outscored the Wizards 32-20. to 20. Where do you think bro- things broke down, Brandon? Um, Scott Brooks mentioned this in his press conference. He said the team had a difficult time handling the Raptors' physicality. And as a result, they didn't set their screens properly and they would try to force things that weren't there. I think that's what really cost the Wizards in the second quarter. They, they just weren't setting good enough screens to mm-hmm. help the offensive players get around the initial defender. Yeah, and one thing that uh, Markeith Morris mentioned too was kind of like when you're going against some of the toughest teams, like you really have to be on your toes. Um, and of course you can't turn it over, but then defensively, like if you do turn it over, you got to sprint back in defense um, for that transition D. And then even off of simple pick and rolls or off-ball screens, like, you really got to communicate perfectly. You can't leave shooters wide open, even if they're guys like C.J. Miles who who don't do that much. Like, well, I guess Miles is averaging 10 points a game and shooting 39% from downtown, so he, he's not nothing. <laughs> but still, there are only 400 NBA players. Everyone's got to be guarded, of course. So I think that, that defensive communication, it's not like the Wizards played bad defense tonight. Like, that wasn't a fact because, you know, the Raptors shot just 46%. And they shot just 30% of three-pointers on from three-point land. But ultimately, like, yeah, it's it's the best team in the Eastern Conference. Like, you, you can't turn it over 18 times. And then how amazing was the turnover difference? Because the Raptors, like, the Wizards basically equaled the Raptors' turnover total in just the first quarter. The Wizards had five in the first quarter. Raptors had seven all game. How do you do that? That's like Spurs. That's like Warriors offense. Like... I mean, the Warriors are even sloppy with it because they have too much fun. But, like, a whole basketball game, you just turn it over seven times? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think teams have figured out what the Wizards do on offense without John Wall. I mean, in the first couple games without him, they kind of caught teams by surprise with, with this new like, this new ball movement type of offense. But yeah, after a while in the NBA, coaching staff are going to start scouting you, and eventually they're going to figure out what you do on offense, and that's going to make you a little bit easier to guard. Mm-hmm. Especially with the Wizards, they don't have another guy outside of Beal who can create offense for himself or for somebody else. Yeah, 
That's that's a fair point. I mean, Porter had a few like off the dribble pull up jumpers. Ubre usually can create a little bit more, but and like Markeith is more of like a catch and shoot, right. occasional post up type guy. But you know, like outside of those four guys, like we had four people who were in double digit scoring, and I guess Gortat got eight. But like it just it you know there weren't really enough threats. I would say like. Porter and Beal did fine. They had more than 20 points. 24 for Porter, 23 for Beal. He also added seven assists and six, sorry, seven rebounds and six assists. But it's it's just tough because, like, you get the same sort of production. Of course, I mentioned Lowry didn't do anything, but, like, 24 points versus 23 points for DeMar DeRozan, and he shot over 50%. And then just everyone on the bench, you know, Fred Van Vliet, 12 points. Jacob Podol, I don't know, I must be butchering his last name. He only had six, but he made a huge impact on the game. He he had three block shots. Um, I guess he only had three rebounds, but it just seemed like he was everywhere. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the same deal as when the Wizards were playing the Celtics uh, last season in, in the playoffs. Just so many different contributors, whether it was Jalen Brown or Taylor, Terry Rosier. How do you pronounce his name? Rosier? Rozier, Rozier, my bad. Of course, Kelly Olenek was the big Wizards killer. It's it's just the depth that the Wizards don't have, and then the Raptors and teams like the Celtics do. You know, it's that's the difference in these sorts of games. Yeah, and with the Wizards, you're like it's very rare that we're they're gonna get someone that's gonna score 30, 25, 30 points outside of Beal or Porter. That rarely happens. I mean, Mike Scott will get you. 19, 18 points yeah. at best. But no one's going to have a nice... Markeith Morris isn't doing that. Kelly Oubre is not going to do it. Tim Frazier isn't going to. Tomas Sadoransky is a setup guy. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the depth, allowing 50 bench points for the Raptors, scoring, what, 15, 11, plus 4, yeah, 15 points off the bench for the Wizards. We're going to come right back with the Locked on Wizards podcast, and we're going to talk about different adjustments that Scott Brooks is going to have to make. Um, he was just coach of the month uh, for the month of February, 10-4 and four record without Wall. But we're going to have to talk about you know what, what's got to change the next month of March while Wall is still on the shelf and the Wizards have to respond against all these playoff opponents. Stay tuned in to Locked On Wizards podcast. We'll be right back. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back with the Locked On Wizards podcast. The Wizards dropped one uh, to the Raptors. Tight, tight game tonight. Um, Wizards just didn't have enough steam at the end. Too many three-pointers allowed in that fourth quarter. So the Wizards have had some quality wins, and... 
just a couple of tough losses here against mainly elite teams and then the Charlotte Hornets uh, over the course of February, and now we're into March. Scott Brooks really stepped up to the plate after Wall went down. Everyone kind of discounted the Wizards and thought like maybe they could sneak into the playoffs as an, as an eight seed. Over the last month, he went 10-4, uh, and four, um, awesome record, beat the Cavs, beat um, Philadelphia 76ers and the Bucks. What do you think of his, his coaching performance in the Wizards over the past month of February? I think it's been excellent. I mean, I mean the, the players can talk about sharing the basketball and the whole everybody eats mentality all they want. But if, there's not a, if you don't have a coach in place that can really implement a game plan to help the team succeed without, without their best player, then the team's not going to be as successful as they can be. Mm-hmm. So Scott, yeah, Scott Brooks gets a lot of credit. And I don't really understand why people say he's not a good X's and O's coach. I mean, he's not a steep curve when it comes to X's and O's. But I remember last year he made some pretty, he made some pretty solid adjustments, like the whole staggering bench lineup with starters. Mm-hmm. So, which I'd still like to see more yeah, of this year. Yeah, I would still like to see more. Yeah. <laughs> In that the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, when you had a. Frazier was Meeks playing early. I can't quite remember. He played. He um, checked in for Beal. I think either, at the either, end of the first. Either towards the end of the first or early in the second. Anyway, that second lineup, even if they did did have a starter in there at the end of the first quarter, it wasn't really cutting it. But you know, this is a matchup against the best team in the East, as you mentioned. So it makes sense that you can't win every game. I think, I think Brooks does a great job of getting the most out of his players and getting the most out of the talent that he has, especially developing young players like. Kelly Oubre and Tomas Sadoransky aren't going to have seasons that they're having now under a guy like Randy Whitman who lets people rot on the bench. We haven't even play. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen much of uh, Chris McCullough or um, Devin Robinson, who's been on the G League, but you know their time will come, I assume, under Brooks. I, I just think like when it comes to end of quarter, end of game execution... He's kind of been the one to just trust the players, trust John Wall make the right decision, trust Bradley Beal with an ISO play at the end. So, I mean, hopefully you don't have to get into that situation, but it's, I don't think like his after timeout plays are really anything special, and that's that's where he kind of gets the, the criticism. They got away with it last year because last year it worked. I mean, last year John Wall was one of the best fourth quarter players in the league statistically. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of able to rely on him, but this year because because it hasn't been the same case. But yeah, but how many games has it been where, like, he just re- says, okay, everybody clear out. If you get wide open, you can shoot it. But basically, Wall or Beal, like, we're not even going to run a pick and roll, really. We're just going to see what you can do against your defender. You're going to be double teamed and take some sort of, like, tough fadeaway. Like, this is the shot that we'll live with. Are you – would you rather see something something else if there's 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the score is tied? I mean, I would still like to go to Beal, but I'd rather have him run off screen instead of dribbling the ball at the top of the key. Because very rarely is he successful when he's put in that situation late in games. Mm. I mean, like, when's the last... I mean, aside from the game against Cleveland, when's the last time you see him going one-on-one against a defender with five seconds left on five seconds left in the game? Yeah. I, but, like, I mean, there were, there were some games where he definitely had the chance to, to win or lose it, and... He didn't make too many clutch shots. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like clutch shots are throughout the fourth quarter. It's anytime you need a bucket and you score, that's a clutch yeah. shot. But like I'm talking like end of game situations where it's like in overtime, fourth quarter, whatever. Beal hasn't had too many game winners, but no players really do. So I I don't know 
how much of it's coaching. I definitely think I'd have to review all the candidates, but I'm not upset whatsoever that Scott Brooks uh, was named Coach of the Month, and I think he's doing an awesome job. But at the same time, I think opponents, whether they're playoff opponents or not, they're starting to figure out the Wizards. You know, like the the Warriors showed on Wednesday night. If you just double Beal and let someone else beat you, there are very few other options of guys on the Wizards who can step up and make those shots. Porter might get his 25. He might get 30. Morris probably isn't going to... He's probably not going to be the one who ends up being, like, the leading scorer or, or the one who kills you. Like, Ubre's three has been a lot better this year, but he's still making some mental miscues. And, like, yeah, I mean, no team has has the depth of the Raptors where they have 11, 7, however many guys who can, like, step up and get 15 points just because, you know, you, you key in on, on some other player. But I think, I think, what do you think the Wizards should do when Beal, I mean, Beal was hitting it tonight, but, like, when, when there's so much focus on Bradley Beal, maybe he's getting double teamed. What can the Wizards do to kind of give him some other options? I mean, the only thing I can think of is to run run some off off ball screens for Otto Porter. Try to get him open. Yeah. Like don't don't put Otto Porter in a pick and roll situation because that's not that's not the strength of his game. Like what like, the thing he is best at is catching and shooting and cutting to the basket. So just run some just run some plays for him and don't expect and don't expect him to create for himself. Yeah, I think you're right. Like Otto's best when he's getting. Offensive rebounds and open kickout jumpers when other players drive or running in transition. Um, yeah, he's not really a guy who will call his own number and go ISO, go pick and roll. Um, one other thing that was of note about this game, which was a little bit surprising, is that the Raptors won it, even though they shot, they missed so many free throws. It was, yeah, they shot 62.5% at the line, 20 of 32. How often do you miss 12 free throws and still find yourself in that position? Like, the Wizards, of course, they lost by seven and missed seven free throws. They only shot 67%, but, like, it's just, you know, it shows how good of a team the Raptors are if they're missing 12 free throws and winning by seven points. And it's also about getting timely stops. I mean, the Wizards, they held the Raptors to 36% shooting in the fourth quarter, but I mean, when you let someone get 11 of their 20 points in the fourth quarter, especially in key moments, you're, you're going to lose the game. Who got 11 of 20 in the fourth? C.J. Miles got 11 of oh, 20 yeah. points in the fourth quarter. And they cost the ball up five times in key moments. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. It's it's tough because, like, if you want someone to beat you, you'd rather it's not Lowry. You don't want him to be DeRozan. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody's going to go ahead and score 20 points, like, you can kind of live with it. Same way, like... Gortat's defense against Kelly Olenek in, in the Game 7 was terrible, but, like, if anyone's going to beat you, like, you don't want it to be Isaiah Thomas when you're facing the Celtics last year. You don't want it to be their star. Like, it's, I mean, I don't I don't know C.J. Miles' numbers coming into a game, but, like, at the same time, you do have to make adjustments once this dude hits two in a row or whatever. He has, yeah. He has six three-point attempts in the, he has six three-point attempts in the fourth quarter. He only made one two-pointer. I know, but if if a guy gets six <laughs> open looks from the three point line, you gotta you gotta change something. Yeah, and this happened against the Hornets too. Frank Kaminsky made seven of them. Uh, Marvin Williams had like five, four or five. Kemba Walker had like, of course, Kemba Walker is tough to stop, but he had like five three pointers as well. Like once these guys are hitting the threes, like I don't know if it's poor rotations or what, but 
it, it it can't fly. You can't let someone make that many open threes. You gotta key in on them, no doubt. It might just be a lack of personnel. I mean, Gortat's not gonna go out there and contest. Mahimi's not gonna go out there and contest. And um, yeah, Morse is. Um, Morse cast it. I don't know. I don't know how great he is in in those situations. He might not be quick enough. Yeah, he might not be quick enough. Yeah. Well, I guess that's that's pretty much a wrap. Um, the Wizards are, are playing better, you know. They, they've they lost two in a row now uh, against, you know, two of the best teams in the league. They have not yet lost three in a row all season. So we, we'll see what happens here against the Pacers on Sunday night. Um, we'll have another podcast up Sunday night to recap that game. And uh, that should do it. We're going to end with um, some analysis, post-game analysis, from Wizards coach Scott Brooks. So stay tuned for that. And... Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wizards podcast. By the way, I totally forgot to mention the entire episode, but you guys can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, LockedOnWizards.com, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Megaphone. Uh, we post all the links to the, these episodes on Twitter. So tune in for that. Thanks so much, Brandon. And have a good night, everyone. Uh, here is Scott Brooks for you. Our best did not play... Uh, like they have been playing, unfortunately, we needed a we needed an entire team to come through and, and play against the, the best team in the East. And on top of that, we turned it over. We, we, we keep talking about it. We show film, and we got to take care of the basketball. Uncharacteristic tonight was Thomas six turnovers, but 18 turnovers, 27 points. That's like I said last game. The same situation. We can't give these great teams uh, easy possessions, and they don't have to earn for, earn their Earn, um, earn points, they get it in transition off of our turnovers. It seems like every night somebody steps up. Uh, the big fella, Van Fleet, Siakam, Miles tonight, you know, 20 points. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't make a three um, off for a bench, and, or we made one. Kelly was one for six, and he made six, and they made eight as, as a bench, and you know, that's, that's the difference. Uh, take that in our turnovers. I thought we played everybody pretty tough. You know, Demar is an all-star. Lowry's an all-star. Really good players. And I thought we played them pretty good, and just like they played, you know, Brad pretty good. Uh, but you know, the wild card was uh, CJ. We talked about him how he can come in and make a have a big number with his impact on his shooting, and he got free too many times tonight. You mentioned Thomas's turnovers. How we don't see that very often. How would you kind of characterize those mistakes? Were they unforced or was it? Nah, you know the thing is, no, they were they were they were physical. They they're a good defensive team. They got some math. They got they, they they allow. I mean, put their hands on us, and we allow that by not setting our screens up, not setting good screens. Uh, you can't let them dictate the how we play offense. And Thomas, uh, at times was trying to force the issue to for his team not for himself for his team so those are the if you're going to live with any turnovers those are the those are the unselfish turnovers he's trying to find guys rolling trying to find guys on the weak side it just their activity they got their hands um, on the ball quite a few times tonight I 
reminisce for a spell Or shall I say think back yeah. 22 years ago to keep it on track uh -huh. The birth of a child on the 8th of October my toast, but my granddaddy came sober Count all the fingers and the toes Now I suppose you hope the little black boy grows yeah. 18 yeah. years younger than my mama But I really got beatings with the girl love Hey Prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast Ad-free on Amazon Music Download the Amazon Music app today.